the future of photography. Hello and welcome back to the Future of Photography. My name is Chris Marquard and the whole gang is here. Imar, Jeremiah and Adrian. Hello. 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 How are Good you doing morning. today? Good morning. <laughs> Good morning. Splendid. Good evening. Splendid. Good evening. <laughs> um, it's, uh, it's an audio only show because the video didn't want to cooperate today. So um, sorry for those who are getting used to seeing us. We'll try to bring that back as soon as possible. I spent two hours getting ready for that video. Ah, yeah. Makeup and everything. Okay, well, uh, yeah, let's see. So uh, it's. I think it's time for another tech update episode. We have yeah, a tech show. Yay. We haven't talked tech <laughs> in a while. It's all very philosophical here. It's and all good because you know us guys. We don't like to be emotional. It's no, so not easy really. to talk <laughs> I about <do>. te <laughs> technology and stuff. Well, let's <laughs> let's let's uh, be before the tech part. Let's uh, maybe try to. Let me try to get you a bit emotional because we got a piece of listener email from uh, <laughs> someone from James and I want to read this to you. Hey, TFOP team. Firstly, I love your show every week. I look forward to the next episode. Thank you very much. Um, when I listened to episode 138, I couldn't believe how pertinent it is to my current personal project. Since the COVID pandemic, my isolation project has been making artworks from captured images in Forza Motorsport 7. And uh, I've been uh, printing all my works in preparation for an exhibition. I live in Melbourne, Australia, and we have just gone back into a second round of lockdowns. And the exhibition has been cancelled, so I decided to start posting them on my Instagram page. I thought you might like to see it, and I'm wondering if you can suggest any hashtags I could use to increase my viewership of these style of images. It's a very rewarding project, something I'm getting a lot out of, and it was so cool to hear your latest episode. Thank you all very much for all the episodes so far. Looking forward to more in the future. Warm regards, James. <sighs> That's good. That's <laughs> well, nice. Well done. <laughs> That's nice. I, I, think, I think one one place to start is go to my Instagram and look at some of my images and read the hashtags, because yep. there's a lot of them. And just follow your nose based on them, because as you explore other images with those hashtags uh, within Instagram, you'll pick up more that are more relevant. I mean, they could be from hashtag auto racing, uh, virtual car racing, virtual images, in-game imagery. There's lots and lots and lots. And so you can start there with uh, Jeremiah underscore Chechik and uh, go from there. So we'll we'll put a link to to your uh, Jeremiah's Instagram and to James's Instagram in the show notes. So uh, yeah, and note that I don't only post in game, no, but uh, you <laughs> they're obvious when you see them. I, I actually did not photograph World War One. <laughs> <laughs> oh really? Okay. Or, or <laughs> Egypt? Or Egypt? Several years ago. <laughs> You're our, our youngster. Um, yeah, you know, I, I, I had a look at James's uh, Instagram feed, um, uh, followed the link good. he sent us. Um, there's some great stuff. They quite good. put a yeah, lot of very, effort very into into yeah. the production of these images. This is this is yeah. way beyond a uh, just a snapshot, you know, from a button on a on a game controller. Mm. Yeah, so they're not. Good, they're more good than screenshots. Like yeah, yeah, they're good. Yeah, they're definitely not screenshots. No. <laughs> 
<laughs> so I love it. I love it when when things that we do click with the listeners and everyone out there listening to this. If you have one of these experiences, and go, oh 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 yeah, this is interesting. Let us know. Send us an email. Send us uh, contact us. We are out there. Um, and there are many ways to get in touch. So thanks, James. And uh, this is where we dive into the into the tech thing. And what I've done is I've uh, <laughs> sorry <laughs> that wasn't me. Well, okay, okay. I'd, I'd say I'd say maybe one. Okay. I'm struggling. I'm struggling. <laughs> I've chosen. Okay, don't make this so hard for me. I've chosen three things, and at least one might be interesting for you. Okay. Mm -hmm. So. And I put this as the last one. Um, first one <laughs> is uh, Canon's SPAD sensor. What the heck is a oh, SPAD sensor? Um, never heard of these. Um, came across this just a short while ago. And Canon is making big splashes right now with a new R5 announcement and stuff like that. But this is something from their research. And it's uh, it's a special kind of sensor that is one million times as uh, light sensitive as a normal sensor. That's that's quite, quite, that's, that's, that's quite impressive. That's yeah. quite impressive. I found that too. And what they do is they have a lot of technology. They call it a single photon avalanche diode. That's what SPAD comes from. Um, and apparently one single photon will kick off an avalanche of electrons and then you can measure it. Like a bit of like a Geiger counter, you know? It's a, uh huh goes click click and then it counts the clicks and makes a photo this way and I, I, I think it's it's a dazzling piece of technology that could in fact revolutionize uh cam camera and capture um but it's very uh instructive when canon says at the end of these articles that <laughs> That uh, it's unclear when we make right, yeah. these sensors yeah, in a real-world application. This is a lab prototype, probably just a handful of pixels. And I think they said they can do one megapixel, um, which that's, is yeah. so. That's, that's a great place to start. I mean, you know, I, I remember having you know computer screens for my day-to-day -day work that had less than one megapixel uh -huh. of resolution. So yes, you know, and and oh, we all sure. managed to make the world turn with those so I, oh, the one yeah. megapixel thing is interesting do you know I've, I've been racking my brains right trying to think of a real world use case so yeah we ask our standard question what does this mean for the future of photography mm. i've come up with one right and um <laughs> uh, only one so far but i'm sure there are more but the, the the thing that i thought of was trail cameras you know the ones that you leave for weeks or months to capture um, rare animals yeah. at night like mountain lions and stuff yeah. like that because mm -hmm. The, the you know um clearly there's some light at night mm. but it can be very very low and and a lot of the time they have to revert to um infrared type stuff and you get just sort of green monochrome images so it'd be good to, to if, if you imagine if you could shoot with this with it in in full color that'd be cool well i'd say uh, space astrophotography would be a spectacular use of this especially <laughs> if you put a massive camera up in one of the bigger kind of new uh deep space satellite telescopes with a, a big array of megapixel resolution on low light, I think we would able to be able to see deeper 
into space and possibly into the beginning of time. There's there's mm. one feature that I haven't mentioned yet, and that is that it's very fast. We're talking about 3.8 nanoseconds to take a photo. Um, and that means it is really, really good at knowing when something should come back. We're talking about uh, time-of-flight cameras, cameras that can measure distance by measuring when light comes back that is sent out. So um, that is an application there is depth measurements is um, is autonomous driving these kind of things mm. right? so, so that that's interesting well, how do how do the so yes so that would require some kind of laser or lidar exactly. or or something that that is actually sent out isn't it wouldn't it yeah, what, like well you do could with cars what your iphone does when it uh, detects your face um to unlock the phone is time of flight it it shoots out lasers um or some infrared light and then it it counts the nanoseconds until oh, it comes I did not back. Not know that. Yeah, that kind so of makes can, sense. Can you imagine deep space photography where you have those kinds of uh, resolutions <laughs> and 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 time back? I'm not sure it works at a long distance because those photons will take an. They will yeah, not get many there. many years. <laughs> Well, no, if, if it's, you know... Time of flight need, it, needs to send something out first and then it, that needs to be bounced yeah. back. <laughs> yes, that's right. So, <laughs> what's a few years in measuring the history of all time? <laughs> okay, okay. So, um, second it's, it's an interesting one. technology. I'd, I'd look forward to it. I like the... You've, in the notes here, you've put global shutter. Oh, the, um, the, it's, which which everybody wants a global shutter, don't they? Um, do I? I, I um I don't really know what three point eight nanoseconds means. I think it just means not very long. But the, it, I think <laughs> it's what is it once it gets beyond you know a ten thousandth of a second. You know, I, I, um, do we do we have a, a a number on nanoseconds? Is it ten to the minus six? Is it where? What is it? Do we know? Well, it it, it says in the article twenty four thousand frames per se per second. So that's what okay. the sensor can do, albeit at one bit, so black or white. So again, this is this is early development stuff, but I so, find so it if you want, interesting. If you want a hundred and eighty degree shutter on that, it's going to be a very fast one hundred fifty six thousandth of a second, yeah, or forty eight thousandths of a second. Excuse me. <laughs> <sighs> so we do have a, a new type of sensor. I'm I'm pretty sure they have like a whole bunch of different kinds of things they are working on in the lab. Um, uh, let's move on to the second one, which is which might be interesting for the filmmaker among us, and <clears throat> it's an it's a new set of algorithms to do depth estimation with a single camera. So what what we do now with these cameras is that they have this like two eyes, two cameras, and then they can do stereo vision and they can do a depth map of what's there. And new, new algorithms manage to do this uh, from one single moving camera and uh, in a very smooth and very detailed way, which is interesting if you want to replace the background or the foreground. Um, and we've seen some of that based on these two cameras, but based on just one single camera, this is... Looking interesting. So if you, uh, this, uh, we have a link to a YouTube video where you see the effect uh, where someone just sits on a sofa and then all of a sudden there's balls bouncing around the room in front mm. of him, behind him, and the uh, camera knows where he is, so it knows what the background is. And I think that's just, a, just a, again, just one beginning of when 
of of where we will go ditching the green screens ditching other things that help us yeah do that and i think filmmaking wise i i think we're we're getting very very close to ditching green screens um uh, except in uh very um specific Uh, areas like for example if you were to uh, create a um, a CG background and are shooting in real time with with um, electronic panels um, a la uh, Mandalorian or more uh, shows that are um, kind of um, embracing that but if the background is uh, in process, in other words, it hasn't been rendered in 8K or whatever the output resolutions intentions are, uh, you could kind of create this in real time in front of the camera and then then literally hit a button. That background will turn to green and then replace it with the up-resed uh, portion. But that's becoming uh, less and less of a kind of future bet. So all of these uh, abilities uh, to create uh, effective special effects without green screen and matting, um, do it in camera or even uh, in a laptop, uh, will have a significant influence on the kinds of stories that can be tell told in uh, more uh, cost-effective ways, which puts uh, more indie filmmakers in charge of doing more epic uh, cinema. I like that you that you move directly to the story side of things, mm. being able to tell stories better, because I think that's what that, it's about. That's all that it's about, in my view, anyway. Um, yeah. So I have a, a question about this stuff, uh, yeah, just in the technology direction. I mean, y years ago, you'd have a rangefinder camera. And one of the big metrics for rangefinder cameras was just how long was the base of the rangefinder mechanism. Um, because, of course, the more depth separation you had, the more accurate you could be or the more precise you could be with your focus when you overlay the two images. Uh, wh why do phones have all of their camera sensors clustered in one corner of the phone? Because it would seem to me that there's a bit more space they could use and the depth calculations would be way easier. I would think they're precise enough. And the, the one thing you don't want is cover up one of those cameras when you hold the phone. So I think that's a big problem. So you have to have to hold it with like fingertips and be very careful not to occlude a camera. It's a phone. You have to do that anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I'm uh, I'm kind of willing to bet that um, Apple, when they hear this po podcast, are going to be. <laughs> Oh, we never thought of that. Oh no! The speed, the speed at which this stuff is moving, though, is just flabbergasting, isn't it? I think it is anyway. The AR stuff. It it, it yeah. is, yeah. It, and it the is way it's coming down onto phones it is and things, even down to those silly filters that you can put on yourself in in the Instagram and the Snapchats and all that. Is that driving it? I wonder. Oh. You know the the programmers or whatever like to just get more and more and more i mean vid video games have always been a driver of technology right mm. the the whole space of vr ar and so on uh, i think so yeah yeah mm. so and and yeah. and photography as we as we saw in the intro with the with the with the email it's photography is another driver now mm. 
it, it is interesting stuff. I have a follow-up question, and I, it, it's just occurred to me, and I have no idea what the answer is. Um, if you are using two lenses to judge depth, like on a phone, does it, forget about how far apart they are, but if you're using two lenses or two sensors, let's say, to, to judge depth of field, um, what happens if you decide to move from portrait to landscape mode? Is you suddenly got one sensor above another one? Does that still calculate depth aren't, in the same way? Aren't they way? diagonal? To each other, those cameras. I don't, I don't, I don't know. Ah, that, that would that would be an engineering approach no. that I could get behind. Definitely, <laughs> I, I, I have to say that if you're shooting landscape in effectively what we're talking about is a 3D image. If you're doing that, then the way to do it is by calculating um, the the depth versus the what is it called the oculus. Oh, Jesus, I forgot. Anyway, you'd have to move physically a certain amount of feet, yards, um, meters in your case. Um, <laughs> you said this <laughs> I, with a very condescending tone. <laughs> no, no, no. I don't understand why we are stuck in feet as opposed to what the world is doing. But, you know, having been born in Canada, I'm, I'm a meter guy as well. So I, I swing both ways. Fahrenheit centigrade, uh, you know, I've said too much now. But anyway, uh, but if you're going for depth um, it, with an iPhone, you would have to move significantly across uh, the landscape laterally, take another picture, and then um, it would be a very good depth reading. Um, I've done this um, kind of manually to do certain kinds of landscape. Uh, if I'm shooting, say, a mid-range mountain that I wanted to experiment in 3D. So, so uh, we're talking photogrammetry now, right? Um, well, yes, it's photogrammetry, but it's not continuous. In other words, I don't have to shoot uh, an array of pictures surrounding right. the piece. If I wanted to do a just a 3D image, right, which has depth. Mm. Um, I'd shoot, you know, one from, you know, marker A and then maybe move 25 feet uh, laterally to marker B. A lot of it is going to be trial and error. Shoot the picture and then put them together in a 3D image and I should start to see uh, the effect of, of dimensions. See, I like the sound of that a lot. Mm. So, if you, do you do you know? Because I don't have an iPad with lidar, but um, but do you know of any apps for whatever computer platform that that actually do that automatically? Um, I don't, but I have a feeling that you could probably go online and get a a real calculation of distance versus lateral depth that is very very precise, so that you can actually mark it out. Um, uh, a few years ago, uh, I, I was given an opportunity to experiment with uh, 3D cinematography at Paramount. They invited some directors who were kind of techie and gave them a full crew, a massive uh, 3D um, array, lots of technology and engineers who are doing it. And we were able to shoot and, and photograph in real time and see our images in 3D. And, and the calculations that we were using were all very specific to adjusting the distance between uh, the lenses to make sure as you were moving the camera that you didn't give anybody a headache because that, that effect really uh, in motion does create a um, strain on the eyes unless you do it very, very gently. 
Um, okay. So they, they know very precisely at what point uh, your eyes see depth, even distant. So um, I'm, I'm sure it's, it's researchable. And um, if you can't find it, sue me. <laughs> drastic approach but okay okay um let's move on to the last one and that that i found this quite amazing um i have added two links in the, our show notes so if you open that youtube one and just look at the first few seconds we're talking about face swapping we're talking about well what's kind of known as deep fakes right you have someone and you just put another person's face on it and so far those have been fairly easy to spot at least for me um, there's always something slightly off maybe the eyes are not exactly in the right angle or when someone moves their head they don't exactly move mm -hmm. the way they should so it's still fairly easy now disney and uh, together with uh, the technical university in zurich the eth zurich have come up with a new set of algorithms that are so amazingly realistic and also high resolution. Just the first 30 seconds in the video, you see that one person with four different faces. Mm -hmm. um, uh, Jeremiah, I think very soon you won't need uh, you won't need the, the the top actors on set anymore. You just need someone to stand in for them and then swap out their faces. That's it. You, and by the way, they do this with I know. <laughs> uh, stunts all the. Yes. Right, but and this is so realistic. You could probably use this in a dialogue scene and still get away with it. Well, speaking of that, um, there is a film I'm completely blanking on. I believe it's about, or um, it's about. I want to say the Ukraine or Chechnya, one or the other, and it, it, it talks about um, LGBTQ. Uh, population within that society and and uh, it's a documentary and in the documentary they actually employed this kind of technology instead of blurring or blanking out uh faces uh muffling they actually changed the actual faces of the um of the people so they would not be recognizable and identifiable by authorities um, and shot it as a documentary. I think they were open about doing it. And there's many of the characters within the movie. If I could track it down, I'll throw it uh, into the show notes. But That's it's an uh, amazing an use of that technology. It is. It is. It is. And, and I think we're going to see more and more and more of it. It made uh, quite a little um, mini splash among us in the kind of uh, community here of, of face swapping the face swapping community um but, but <laughs> face swapping community. <laughs> okay. trade you man trade you um but but uh this kind of thing will be uh be useful for uh obviously when you start to look at um the shooting of avatar which is you know the extreme use of that um, number two, when you look at stunt stunt work, dangerous work, which then you stick the head of the actor on the stunt person. And obviously, these are in motion, so they're hard to freeze and, and spot, but they're getting better and better and better. Um, and, and then finally, just in terms of uh, the the kind of insidious use of this, uh, which is very dangerous and, and uh, obviously uh, prone to significant abuses in terms of politics. And um, th that's the, the worry of, 
of face swapping and and adjusting people. So as it can be done for good, it certainly can be done mm. uh, for evil. And um, how we can uh, address a <coughs> uh, a tell in them is getting very very hard to do. So there could be some kind of I, I can see some kind of future legislation where you have to literally. Um, watermark it with something that indicates that there has been some um, mm. change. Mm. We should have this for just simple billboards that went through Photoshop massively to show people that don't mm. look like they are. I would yes. be I would be happy with some indication, some need for indication that something has been modified. Mm. Yeah. Uh, on the other hand, when we look at a, a Vogue cover. Um, you know, having come from the world of fashion years ago and, and, you know, photographing models who, you know, uh, with, 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 uh, photographing models without any makeup or, or, or hair done, um, you know, they can be as, I, I, they're beautiful, but they don't look like, <laughs> like themselves. Yes. In a lit and gorgeous way, they are totally transformed by the application of light, makeup, uh, angle, etc., and that really so ref they reflect light in such a specific way. So the question is, where does modification start? Right? <laughs> yes. Is it in the analog world or is it in purely in the digital world? And and you know, many many uh, celebrities, women. Um, have complained, um, you know, and have been very outspoken about some of these magazines changing their bodies or thinning them or mm. adjusting their skin uh, to make them some version of an idealized woman. And they mm. go, well, that's not me. I'm, you know, I'm me. I have a woman's body and this is what it looks like. And, and so there is that push-pull. It's been happening for mm. about 10 years, I think. Um, so... You know, some of us more more vain guys would like to just look better. We don't care. But I, I remember, and and that and those changes can be quite creepy. Um, I remember when a couple of versions back, when when uh, Apple did a keynote and they announced this FaceTime feature where it would make you look into the camera virtually because you never really look into the camera you look at the screen right yeah. below the uh, camera yeah, so, yeah. so they would yeah. they would change a person's eyes you could turn this on and off and they demonstrated that and weird weird, weird weird well it, it never it's it's not there right i, I recently looked because i said I, well, didn't they didn't they announce that years ago and no it never materialized because people had exactly that reaction it's weird it's cool yeah. it's yeah. not it's not as expected <laughs> we should we should we, we might want to develop this the sense, this uh, spidey sense of, uh, of, of of noticing when images and video well, have well, been modified. Well, it's a there's a word for it. It's or there's a phrase. It's the called the uncanny, uncanny valley, yes. and that was the title of my show in, uh, in <laughs> Buenos Aires the year, year or two ago. It, it is an interesting thing, I think, because in the world where. You know, they say, well, there's no point in providing careers advice at school because by the time your kid graduates, the, the, those jobs just simply won't exist anymore. <laughs> um, I, I, I know what I'm aware there is a, 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 a job or a profession or a, or a, a skill uh, called forensics 
uh, forensic photography analysis yeah. um, or whatever fra- phraseology. Um, I think that that particular skill is going to become increasingly important and the market demand for that skill set is going to become uh, much larger, I think, in the next few years. So what, oh, yeah. what you're saying is the future of photography is that Disney's uh, neural face swapping will create new kinds of jobs. It will. Yeah, for both jobs. Yeah, for both. I mean, you know, the the uh, pornographers have been doing this for for a while, as substituting celebrities on porn actresses and yeah. putting it out there, and actresses are like, "What?" You yeah, know, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, you know, so um, th- there's there's all manner of of kind of on the positive side of just how many points of reflectivity from a human face, including the eyes. Um, can you project? What is it about uh, the real kind of soulful look into someone eye, someone's eyes uh, that differentiates that eye from a um, artificial eye in a in a game? As as they get closer and closer to skin tone or expressiveness, the eyes always seem a little dead. Mm. And uh, is that because it's a mirror to the soul? Or is it technical? <laughs> you know, stand by maybe. and we'll find out. <laughs> okay, so um, I think I have one question, question, and that is for Ima. Which of those mm. three different things was your favorite? Was there any of those? Which that is you my found favorite? Interesting? Uh, yeah, the, the Disney thing, the face swapping. Uh, I could only think of the potential bad uses for it. And um, yeah, it's weird. It's a bit weird. And all, all I could think about was like, um, people being accused of things that they didn't do or being placed in situations that they weren't because of, you know, these sort of fake paparazzi type uh, thing. And then kind of took me down a little rabbit hole. And um, I was just thinking about, you know, the kind of lines between illusion and reality and what's, you know, just images, what you see, what's what's really real and what isn't real. And I found uh, this couple who are like in their early 20s and they're fashion students and they're both in Rome. And just for a laugh, they decided that they would kind of fake their own paparazzi photos and they dressed up in these outfits. So they're, you know, fashion students, they're super stylish and um, take these amazing shots that make them look like they're somebody when they're nobody and um they they've like got twenty five thousand followers now and there's people who follow them and think they're like oh wow they call themselves sam sarah and i just thought wow but they're just fashion students who did it for a joke and now it's kind of well it sounds like an art piece to me it sounds it it actually does you know they, they did it for a laugh but they like it's starting to become kind of serious for them now and they're starting to make news headlines and things like that but like that's just it people will follow anything won't isn't, they but isn't our our <laughs> obsession with like, celebrity a weird yeah thing? it's just oh, certainly it's just, yes well by the way strange. is it not and has it not always been so i mean what we call a celebrity now whether it's a movie star, rock star, etc., or a podcast, um, a podcast, certainly <laughs> like yourself, that's for mm-hmm. sure. Um, we we tend to celebrate those as kind of iconic, but you know, when you go back in time and look at what the the Romans or the Greeks or the Sumerians, I mean, we always uh, you know identified you know man slash gods 
as this celebrity. Um, we, we, we complain about like illusion and reality now and hard to differentiate. But even then, I mean, did you, it may have been guised in a belief system in a religion or just a, a, a way of kind of looking at the universe or understanding the universe. That tension of like what's real, what's not, is this it, is this all, um, I think has always been with us. Mm. Uh, with technology, it's amplified in very specific and different ways. Um, on the positive end, you know, people tend to, you know, with, say, psychiatrists or psychologists, um, they've studied when people are talking to a computer that, that seems humanistic, uh, they reveal a lot more. And if you can have a, an, um, an icon that is humanoid and, and sparkles in the eyes and is very um, kind of uh, in, invested in you, would you share stuff? Would that be a health, healthy and helpful way uh, for people to kind of self um, and analyze um, for better. Um, for certainly for storytelling, I see it as absolutely fantastic. Um, for political abuse, I see it as uh, tragic and and uh, very dangerous. So, all of those things have been with us throughout history. They just take a different form right now. Mm-hmm. You can't have one without the other, I suppose. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. So, um, we had a very sensitive and fast camera. We had uh, new depth estimation algorithms and face swapping. So, um, I guess with that, and we'll put all the links in the show notes with that, let us move on to the picks of the week. Imar, what is yours? Uh, Mine is not in the notes, um, but I was tidying up my office during the week because it literally has not been cleared for I would guess about 10 years judging from some of the photos that I found (laughs) possibly even 20 I found and proof that I actually did uh did do some analog photography in my life (laughs) even though I'd forgotten um I found an invite to an exhibition that was an image of mine on the on the front of it. And uh, yeah, it was a real uh, total flashback and had forgotten that show entirely. I think it was from 1998, maybe or 99. And uh, yeah, it just really took me down memory lane. And um, <laughs> even that work, it just put that back in mind. And also the fact that I finished my festival project. That's another highlight of my week. Oh, you, just had, you just had this big festival thing. Yeah, it's still on. It's not even been shown. It won't be shown till um, as we speak tomorrow night. So, um, so we plugged yeah. it. Next episode, we will definitely need a link so we can send people there. Oh, yeah. Okay, I'll send a link. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Jeremiah, what's yours? Uh, speaking of analog, I'm about to embark on shooting some 4x5 PN55 with my uh, 4x5 camera in about an hour going out. And um, I'm going to then digitize it using my ABD frames and my Lumix. So we'll see how that works out. Anyway, my pick is a uh, Vionis camera. Now, these are not cheap, I just want to mm-hmm. say. And, and, uh, because I'll stick with the kind of <laughs> the space uh, theme of my comments. This is a camera, which is also a computer and an observation station that tracks stars, photographs them, and um, just does astrophotography and is 
absolutely dazzling. An astrophotography robot. Yes. Talk about the future of photography. Yeah, pretty sure that fits our remit. (laughs) Oh, oh, and it's and it's a bargain. It's only four thousand euros. That's it. It's uh, all it is. It's just uh, in Cracker Jack's box. So, do you have one of those, or do you want one of those? No, no. This is the kind of thing that is so specialized that you go like, no, you guys shouldn't have bought this for me, really. You know, would I like one? I don't know if I could use it. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm in an urban environment with a lot of light pollution, and uh, I would probably use it very infrequently where I am. But for some of you guys who are out out of the light pollution arena, this would be quite good. So I'd start a um, Kickstarter. Uh-huh. <laughs> let's do that uh-huh. okay i'll squeeze mine in at this point um i have uh I, have, I don't have this in the notes but um i think i alluded to it last time or second last time that uh, canon has finally announced their new cameras the r5 and the r6 which uh might be of interest to filmmakers among us we're talking 8k raw shooting and uh, video and that's um, kind of a, a thing that is getting more and more important higher resolutions and so on and uh, um, I'm not really sure what which of my itches it will scratch because <laughs> I'm still very very happy with the cameras that I have but um, it is certainly a big leap forward in in their technology um, that they kind of did so far so they have really kind of um, pull themselves together in the processor department, in the sensor department, and um, so so you're not tempted then, Chris, because one of these cameras is is essentially the successor to the one that you shoot with today, isn't it? Uh, it is, but it takes about three to four times as much battery. So that's okay. Batteries no. are small. Yeah, but now I need more pockets. I don't want more pockets. <laughs> um, no, seriously, <laughs> seriously, I, I've I've looked at it, and interestingly enough. It didn't really, I didn't, my, my click finger, my ordering click finger didn't, <laughs> didn't twitch. So for some reason, um, I, it might be my next camera in a couple of years, maybe, but now I don't see any need for it. How, how, how does it compare to uh, a medium format, either by Fuji or, or well, uh, Hasselblad? It doesn't compare because it's not the same sensor size. It right, is a thirty-five millimeter sensor, and the sensor sizes everything in these, uh, in these different formats. Precisely why I asked. Yes. Um, I, I, I think that in order to get um, the order of magnitude that would get that finger just hopping, <laughs> would be at least sixteen or thirty-two <laughs> above what you're shooting, because then you would really go, "Wow!" But yeah. uh, b- battery and memory. Uh, would accompany that in terms of drawbacks um but it's uh, probably better to buy a medium format camera <laughs> <at that point. laughs> maybe maybe but then i won't be able to use my 24 tilt shift which i love so dearly anyway ah, there we go there we go it's all adrian, about the lens. <laughs> adrian you are next well we all know your love for tilt shift lenses chris and um, my okay so uh well i've had a really busy day today um, I'm I, I'm having a bit of a a psychological and physical decluttering of my camera equipment. 
Um, and yesterday evening, as we record this, yesterday evening, I, I, I took some photographs uh, of some of my camera kit and, and made a few posts on Twitter to say, you know, before I go through all the eBay facts. That's why you selling, sent us the, the, all the different cameras and things. Ah, yeah, yeah. Before I go through all that faff, does anybody want this stuff? And I, I didn't think anybody would be that interested. But my phone has just been blowing up today. I've had <laughs> message after message after message. I've had people pay me almost on spec uh, <laughs> over, over people. PayPal, you know, so um, I've got a busy day on Monday when the post office opens because I've got to go, I've got to bubble wrap everything, box it and, and ship it all off around the place. Do you think it's because of the camera or because it's your camera? Oh, please. <laughs> oh, there's the celebrity well, being, again. Well, being an internet exactly. celebrity and stuff, yeah. Exactly. Um, yeah, so I think, uh, I think the there are a number of dimensions to to address there i mean my my twitter account is is primarily about photography and about the two photography podcasts i've been involved with for so long and listeners of, to the sunny 16 podcast will have recently heard me uh, talk to my colleagues there about essentially falling out of love with film photography um, uh, and it's basically all the film cameras although there are some digital cameras in there as well that I've been selling so I think the reason it's gone so quickly is not because they're my cameras but because my following is aware of of me if you see what I mean if that if that makes mm. sense I don't have a lot of people follow me but they're all very interested in the same sorts of stuff I think um, well speaking so, of film photography I'm excited because uh, I I am about to receive from Lomo the um, ISO 8 35 millimeter <laughs> film that they've made. <clears throat> ISO 8 is, yeah, they're very, very fine grained, I guess. Slow. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's nothing, nothing wrong with slow photography. No, uh, that and an ND filter. Wow. It's going to be fun. Yes. So anyway, just to get to round off the thought that my, my, my pick of the week is, is, is borrowing from the world of software development. Um, uh, and uh, my pick of the week is to take a fix forward approach to cameras and, and other photography gear. You don't necessarily, if you feel like stuff's not being used, you need to release some money or it's a bit of a burden, which in my case, I was starting to feel it was all a bit of a burden having all of this stuff hanging around. You don't need to worry about it. You can give it to, give it to donate it, give it to sell it to people who are actually going to use it. Let that kit be used. And it doesn't matter if you don't have it anymore. There are always mm. ways that you can fix forward. You can move forward with your art and your photography. You don't always have to be leaning on stuff that you've had for many years. I agree. Sounds so does this mean you're good. not going to do analog photography anymore? Uh, no, it doesn't because never say never. Um, yeah. It, it, but does, you, it does mean moved? that I'm... As we speak, have you moved into fully into the digital? Space? Honestly, I've been there for for okay. mostly for quite a long time for 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 probably a good eighteen months. Apart from instant film, I've probably mm. been there a, a while. And and so these things that I'm selling, this is not on a whim. They've been sat in a cupboard mm, for mm, ages, mm, not mm, being used. You know, um, but so. And have yeah. you a plan for? Um, say the profit you make from selling your old cameras. Have you got your eye on something? Reinvesting um, I, it. I, <laughs> yeah. I do and I don't. So I, I will probably use that money to treat myself in some way, but I don't have any fixed plans at the moment. And, and as part of the reason is to just make do with what I've got. 
So I'm not selling everything, not by a long chalk. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'd, I'd like to slim it down a bit and and see what see what gaps. I mean, this is the fixed forward approach. I want to understand what gaps I then feel are in the equipment that I own mm. for the images that I want to make. Yeah, I think that's good. I did the same thing last year. It was absolutely great. I mean, just getting rid of. And it was so easy to sell. That's the yeah, other apparently thing. Apparently, so. <laughs> really very busy easy today. to sell. Yeah. I, and, and by the way, what did I do? You know, I bought some good glass with it, some lenses that I really wanted. Uh, right. mm-hmm. So, and I use them, so mm. it worked well. All right. Well, so with that, I think we can wrap up this episode. Thanks everyone for listening, not not watching today. Sorry again. Um, we we will- look good. Though. We, we do look very good, yes. Um, we will be I'd back. Like in, a week, in a week. Like ourselves. You can uh, contact us. Um, find us on thefuturephotography.com. We're on Twitter at TFOPNow or on Instagram at TFOPNow. And uh, yeah, we are looking forward to, um, to having you back. And until next time, take care and bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. You've been listening to The Future of Photography, a production by Adrian Stock and Chris Marquardt. Subscribe to the show wherever you get your other podcasts. Find the show notes and more information at thefutureofphotography.com. Bye.